Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Bright Temple. We're here in the sanctuary here at Bright Temple Church of God in Christ in Shelbyville, Tennessee. We welcome each of you to be with us this morning as we're streaming live to you. We hope that you are encouraged by the word that you shall hear. Hope that you were blessed by the song that you just heard. And we want to pray God's blessings over you and your life. Can I pray with you? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this another opportunity for our hearts and our minds, for our destiny to be impacted by your word. Lord, we ask that you strengthen us through your word. Allow your word to illuminate our path and push us towards that place of destiny, that position that you want us to stand in. In Christ's name we pray, amen, and God bless you. We're going quickly to the word of the Lord this morning. If you will follow us to John chapter 2, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 10. Again, that is St. John chapter 2, and we'll be looking at verses 1 through 10. For some of us, it's a very familiar passage of story passage of scripture, a story of Jesus Christ and his first recorded miracle. Again, that is St. John chapter 2 verses 1 through 10. I'll begin reading. The word of the Lord says, on the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the wine, water now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine but you have kept the good wine until now. Heavenly Father, open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to receive this word as it shall come forth. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I want to talk to you for a few moments from the thought, my turn for release. My turn for release. When we look at this passage of scripture in Jesus' first recorded miracle here at Cana, Mary, his mother, is confronted or she's the one who feels embarrassed about this situation. It was a social no-no, a faux pas, if you will, for you to have so many guests and then to run out of wine. Mary, presumably, being concerned about the host being embarrassed, came to Jesus with this problem. He confronted him with this issue. He, she did not want the host to feel embarrassed because they ran out of wine. When she approaches Jesus, Jesus really says, what does this have to do with me? My time has not come. In other words, it is not yet time for me to intervene in such a situation. My time to perform miracles is not there. We know that Jesus did things according to time, according to the word that had been previously recorded. 
So when she confronts him, Jesus does not seem obliged to get involved. However, after she confronted him with the situation, Jesus does get involved, and as we see in the story, performs a great miracle. When I noted this, how Mary approached him, one of the things that you see here about Mary is that she was preparing herself for Jesus to say yes. And I want you to get that in your heart, in your spirit, whatever you are asking God for, you ought to prepare for a yes. Why should we pray and doubt? If you're going to pray, you ought to believe when you pray. And if you believe when you pray, you shall receive that which you ask for. So when you pray, you ought to open up your expectation and then begin to prepare for that which you believe God will say yes to you in your life. I often say if you want a car, make sure you have a driver's license. You need to go ahead and make preparations for what God is going to do, to do for you. The next step, you might want to go ahead and build a garage onto your house because you're anticipating what God is about to do in your life. In other words, you're preparing for a yes. And I challenge each of you to do that. Prepare for a yes. How do we see it recorded here in the Word? So Mary says, Jesus says to her, Mary says to Jesus, they have no wine. Jesus responds to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? Mary then, Mary said they have no wine. Obviously, she's not in charge, but she wanted to take accountability and responsibility for this situation. She appeals to Jesus by simply informing him of what happened. Notice what she said. She didn't say, turn water into wine. She didn't say, go buy some wine. She simply appealed to him by informing him of the situation. She simply said they have no wine. And for many of us, when we appeal to God, it's simply us verbalizing something often that God already knows. He knows what we're going through. He knows what we suffer with. He knows what we struggle with. He knows the, the situations of our heart and our mind. He knows the things that are perplexing us. He knows what is ailing our bodies. He knows what's wrong with our relationships and our families. God is intimately familiar with what is going wrong in our life. But simply when we verbalize to God that which we're dealing with, we're turning the situation over to him. We are verbally acknowledging, Lord, yes, I'm struggling with this, and yes, you already know what it is, but I'm letting you know that I'm turning it over to you. The songwriter said that problem that I had, I just couldn't seem to solve. I, I prayed and I prayed, and I, but I just got deeper involved, but then I turned it over to Jesus. And then I stopped worrying about it. I, I gave it over to the Lord and he worked it out. What that person did in that song was simply verbalize to God something that he already knew. Verbalizing to him a problem in our life so that we were let him have it. And I need to let somebody know today you need to let him have it. There's a problem that's too big in your life right now and you're trying to deal with it and it's frustrating you. It's keeping you up at night. You think it's going to drive you crazy. My word to you right now is let him have it. Let God have it. When you let God have it, you can stop worrying about it. When you let God have it, you can get rest at night. 
When you let God have it, you can, your anxiety goes down, your blood pressure goes down. I'm telling somebody right now with your hands on a situation that's too large for you, you need to let God have it. And that's all Mary was trying to do. She was trying to let God have it, turn it over to him by informing him of what was going on. So she, she simply reported to him. She made a report. The report that she made to our Savior was that they have no wine. So then after she informs him of the situation, he then retorts and saying, it's not my time to perform miracles. But then in verse 5, Mary does something interesting. She then tells the servants after he's told her that it's not his time to get involved. Mary turns and stops talking to Jesus and then turns to the servants and says, whatever he tells you to do, make sure you do it. She did that because Mary was preparing. She was expecting a yes. And some of you out there, you're praying, you're fasting, but yet in your heart, if you'll be honest, you don't have the faith on the level that you need to. So even though you prayed about it, you're expecting a no. I challenge you. I challenge your faith for you to expect a yes. So she expected a yes, even though Jesus said it was not his time. And we need to make sure that we watch our company. Watch who it is that you're hanging around with. She understood Jesus' power and his authority, so you need to make sure that you hang around other people who have authority, other people who have power. And you don't need to keep associating with people who are expecting a no. If you hang around with people who expect a no in their lives, sooner or later, your attitude will change. It's just like at work, I can't stand to hang around people who always talk negative. They always have something negative to say about the job, always something negative to say about the supervisor, always something negative to say about their life, or about how things are going in their lives. Can't stand to hang around people like that. We need to watch our company and make sure that you're hanging around other people who are expecting a yes. You know why? Because when you hang around with people who expect a yes, then those people make preparations for the next dimension. Those people are making steps and preparation for the next level in their lives. When you expect a no, you stop preparing. When you expect a no, you don't prepare for the next level. You don't prepare for what's next in your life because you anticipate a no. It's only the people who expect a yes that are constantly preparing for what is about to happen next in their lives. They're taking ownership of the preparation steps because they believe in their heart. They have enough faith to trust God that I'm not going to be here a long time. I won't always be here. My situation won't always look like this. I won't always be stuck in this place. I won't always have this job. I won't always have these financial difficulties. I won't always be dealing with this health situation. I won't always have relationship problems, but there's something that is next for me. And I'm calling to some people that are expecting a next in your life. I'm expecting another season after this one. I'm expecting another level after this one. 
I'm expecting to go higher after this. I am expecting a next in my life. And I came to tell somebody, you need to expect a next. Why don't you hashtag that? Expect a next in your life. Expect God to do something else other than what is happening for you right now. And that's exactly what Mary was doing. She was expecting a next. She was expecting a yes. She was expecting there'd be another chapter. There's going to be another page. There's going to be something other than what we have right now. I cannot be stuck right where where I am because I know what God has promised me. I know what God spoke over my life. And only people who came here believe that you're going to be stuck. You, you, you must have lost your sense of hearing as it relates to the spiritual realm of what God wants for you. I know what God's word says, so I know I cannot be stuck in a season of lack. I know what his word says because it says, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. I can't be stuck on this level because my Bible says now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or think. I know his word too much to think that I can be stuck right where I am. My God said, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I know what his word says, so I'm expecting a next in my life because I know his word too intimately to know that I would, to, know, to understand that I cannot be stuck right where I am. Mary was expecting a next. She was expecting a yes to her petition. So then we go to the next step. Jesus then makes the decision to intervene. When he decides to intervene, he does something unorthodox, and that's what we need to understand. Just because you're going to another level does not mean it's going to happen the way you expect. Don't expect there to be a certain formula to how it happens. Just because it doesn't look like what you were anticipating doesn't mean it's not leading you to what God has next for you in your life. So you need to stop seeing with your eyes and begin to see with your faith because if you see only with your eyes, you might be be disappointed. If you see only with your eyes, you might miss your cue. If you see only with your eyes, you might miss a destiny moment in your life because you need to reach out by faith to see what God is trying to do next in your life. If next is coming, I need to be on the lookout for it. This is how you need to, this is how anticipatory you need to be when I'm in the house and I'm anticipating that God's about to do something in my life. I I need to be ready. You need to have your ears attuned to what God's about to do because faith cometh by hearing. When I order something online, when I'm in the house, I, I, I think my ears are a little bit more sensitive. Because if anybody has been in this situation, you ordered something and you're waiting for it and you're in the house and you're anticipating, you're expecting it to happen, your ears begin to become a little more sensitive. You begin to hear things that you ordinarily would ignore because you are expecting something. It's like your your senses become keen. It's like a sixth sense kicks in. When I'm expecting something to be delivered to my house, It's like all of a sudden, I can hear the traffic on my street. I can hear all the cars that speed up and slow down. I can even hear the hum of of the mail truck as it accelerates and decelerates 
from house to house. I hear that hum, and then when I hear it coming to my house, I'm full of expectation, and then the next thing I'm waiting on, I'm waiting on to hear some steps, some people making their way up the steps of my house to drop off the package. My, my, my senses are in tune because I am full of expectation of what is about to occur, of what is about to happen. And I need you to understand that when you're expecting something from God, your faith is anticipating something changing, something shifting in the atmosphere. And I don't want you to miss the shift that's occurring in the atmosphere because your faith is not attuned, in tune with what is about to happen. But when you are expecting something, when you are anticipating a change, your faith is activated and it's ready. It hears the signs of what's occurring in the atmosphere and it's prepared and ready to receive what God has for you. Jesus began to make steps towards this miracle. One of the things that he did was he told them, he said to go get the six stone water pots that they'd prepared for purification. Stone water pots that were prepared for washing of hands, preparing them for cleansiness. He, got those, he told them to go get those stone water pots, and he said, go fill them with water. One thing I need you to understand about this miracle is that sometimes we forget what time these, these miracles occurred in. When he said, go fill six stone water pots with water, these men didn't take the, the pots to the kitchen and turn on the faucet. I need you to understand the time frame that we're working with. There wasn't any running water. There wasn't any indoor plumbing. In fact, the, each, each house or home didn't even have water. What you had to do was go to the well. So they had to fight, take these heavy stone water pots down to the well. They had to draw the water from the well. And then they had to fill up each of these heavy stone water pots. I can't help but imagine that the pots themselves without water had to be 30, 40, 50 pounds apiece. And they're picking up these heavy water pots, taking them down to the well and bringing them back to the home. I'm just letting you know it was, it was a difficult suggestion that Jesus made to them to fill up these water pots that were for purification and then bring them back to him. So again, sometimes God will give you a task when you're expecting that does not seem related to what he's, you're expecting in your life. God is telling you, I'm about to do this but then he asks you to perform a task that does not seem related to what you are expecting. Sometimes when, when you expect elevation, you're expecting somebody to roll out the red carpet and, and, and then you're waiting on them to, to, put, to recognize you and to call your name and to set you on a high seat. But it doesn't always work like that. I want you to understand that when even after, after David was anointed king over Israel, you know what he did? After, after Samuel poured the oil on David and said, you're going to be king, after he did that, Samuel left. And you know what Jesse told David? I need you to go back out there and tend to the sheep. I need you to go back out there and watch the flock. 
So yes, he'd been elevated. Yes, God had made a promise. Yes, God had even anointed him. But even after that, he had to go back and attend to the sheep. I'm letting you know your elevation may not look like what you're expecting, but when you're anticipating with something from God, your faith has to be in tune with what God is saying. Jesus sends them to get the stone water pots. They, they go down to retrieve the water pots. And when they go down to retrieve the water pots and bring them back, then Jesus begins to speak over the water pots. Jesus begins to perform a miracle that we cannot even imagine. He tells them to go to bring him the water pots. And, and, and I imagine the servants are like, what is he doing? What is he thinking? I, I, I can see that they don't have the same imagination as Jesus. They don't have the same understanding as our Savior. They cannot see what he sees. And I need you to understand that God's ways are above our ways and his thoughts are above our thoughts. So we don't always see and understand what God is trying to do in our lives. We can't see it. So that's why your faith has to attach yourself to him. And that's why they sing the song, we walk by faith and not by sight. I'm walking by faith. I don't see it. I don't understand. It's not happening in the order that I expected. God, it doesn't, my environment doesn't even look anything like what you told me. I can't see it, but I'm holding your hand by faith and I'm believing that you're going to take me to where you promised. Why we have to completely put our faith and trust in God. One of the things that David said that I, I can't help but recite over and over. He said, preserve me, O Lord, for in thee do I put my trust. I'm putting my life in your hand. My faith is completely in you. I'm trusting in you. I'm believing in you. I'm hoping in you. And during a time like this, we are, our hope ought to be restored in Jesus Christ. This is a time where we need to lean on the everlasting Savior. This is a time where we ought to depend and put our faith completely in God. This is a time where we have to trust him and not trust anybody else. I can't trust the government. I can't trust the, the president. I can't trust Congress. But all of my faith and my trust and my hope is in God. I'm believing him. And the songwriter said, I don't know what tomorrow may hold, but I know who holds tomorrow. And I know he holds my hand. The only thing that I can depend on is that God is not going to leave me right where I am right now. The only thing I can depend on is that I won't be stuck here because I know that God is with me. So he tells the men to go get the six water pots and it brings them back to the feast. And then after that, Jesus tells them to take a dip out of the water pot and to take it to the master of the feast. And somewhere in between them dipping it out of the water pot and the master of the feast taking a sip, Jesus transformed the water from the water pot and he turned it into wine. I don't know where it happened, but all I know is that sometime between the well 
and the lips of the master of the feast, the water was transformed into wine. And I need you to understand that in your life, you won't always understand how it happened. You won't understand where it happened, but somewhere along the way, God's going to turn that thing around. And I need you to understand, you don't, you may not see it. You don't understand where it happened, but all I know is God turned that situation around. The reason I know I can identify with that is somewhere along the line, I was bound for hell. I didn't have the right mind. I was in my sin. But somewhere while I was sinking deep in sin, I was far from the blissful shore. I was very deeply stained within, singing to rise no more. But the master of the sea, he heard my cry. And from the waters, he lifted me and now saved. Am I? What I'm telling you is God turned that thing around. I don't know why he did it. I don't know when he did it. Don't know where he did it. But I know God turned it around. And I'm telling somebody right now, you might not see it coming. You don't know how he's going to do it. But I'm telling you in your life right now, a turn is coming. A change is coming. God's about to transform the ugliness of your life into something beautiful. God's about to turn your ugly relationship into something beautiful. God's about to turn your ugly financial relationship into something beautiful. And it doesn't matter how he does it. It doesn't matter when he does it. But somebody told me he may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. And I came to tell somebody, your turn is coming. Your time is coming. God's about to change that thing in your life that has you down. God's about to change what has you down. God's about to change what has you perplexed. God's about to turn it around. Come on. He's about to turn it around. God's about to turn it around. He's about to change it. He's about to transform it. God's about to do that thing that to you seems impossible. Something that my father always said, he said, man's extremity is God's opportunity. God steps in just when it seems like it is impossible. And I know somebody, you're in that impossible place right now. And you don't see how God is going to change it, how he's going to turn it, how he's going to transform it. But I want you to know, don't get caught up on how it happens. Don't get caught up on how it looks. Don't even get caught up at the place where it happens. But I want you to understand that God's hand is on your life. God's hand is on your destiny. God's hand is on your resources. And as long as you trust him, he'll do something about it. Remember what Mary did. All Mary did was she said, Jesus, they run out of wine. 
And that's all you have to do. Just let God know what you're struggling with. He already knows. But when you say it from your own lips, your words are literally turning that situation over into his hands. Can I pray with you? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you this morning for your word. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you for watching over us. Thank you for being omnipresent, omnipotent. Always being there, always knowing, always being aware of what we go through. Lord, I ask that you endue us with more patience. Help our unbelief, Lord, help our faith to trust you even when the situation does not appear to be working out in our favor. Beloved, we're going to put our hands in your hands and we're trusting you to lead us to where you'd have us to go. If there be a sinner out there today, I ask that you pray this prayer with us. Say, Lord, I am a sinner. I have fallen short of your glory and I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry for all of my sin. Please forgive me. Lord, I need you to wash my heart Wash my mind. Wash me all over, Lord. Create within me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Lord, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ was crucified. He died and was buried, but rose again with all power in his hands. And today, I claim him as my Savior and my Lord. If you said that prayer by faith, if you said it with conviction in your heart, then your life has changed. Your life has experienced the turnaround we spoke of. And Christ has entered your heart. And you will be no longer the same. Connect yourself to a ministry. Connect yourself to a church if you want to join us here, even virtually, here at Bright Temple. You can text Bright Temple to 66866. Become a virtual member. Join our virtual family by texting Bright Temple to 66866. And we'd love to have you to join with us. Well, for each of you who've joined us, we thank you. We praise God for you. We pray God's blessings over you all throughout this week for you and your family. And we pray that you will join us once again this week. So you be blessed until we shall see you again. We hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.